Automatic. Or Automatic, if you're into the whole brevity thing, is the sixth track on Prince's 1999 album. It's the final track on side B of the two LP set, if that's you know, how you listen to the record or even on cassette. It's a nine and a half minute long Robo Funk track. And uh, here to talk to me about Automatic for the first time as my podcast guest, it's Farouk Ansari. Hi, Farouk. Hey, Jason. Glad to be here, and thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. No problem. Glad you were able to join. And since this is your first episode of the Press Rewind podcast, I'd appreciate it if you could maybe briefly introduce yourself, where you're from, and maybe offer um, a little information about your connection to Prince and maybe when you started listening to him, how you got into the man and his music. Sure. Okay. So, yeah, I'm, I'm as you've said already, Jason, I'm Farouk, and I'm speaking from Manchester in the United Kingdom. Um, so a few hours ahead of you, um, uh, Manchester, as, as I'm sure you know, has got a fine musical heritage. And as far as Prince is concerned, um, although Manchester's had lots of ba- famous bands um, throughout the ages, my, my primary passion has always been Prince and his music. I first started listening to Prince in in the early 80s, actually. And in fact, Automatic is very fitting for this, for, for my own personal Prince experience, because actually my first Prince album was 1999, cool. um, <laughs> which I bought by accident. Um, okay. So, <laughs> so, so I was a kid, right? And I'd saved up a lot of pocket money to go and buy 1999, the cassette single. And I accidentally picked up the album um, in cassette format. And in a um, typically British way, by the time I got to the counter, um, I, I was um, too embarrassed to actually admit that I'd made a mistake. So I ended up spending all, all my pocket money on the album. And, <laughs> and, and then obviously I just felt very compelled to listen to it because I'd spent, or as I felt at the time, I'd wasted all my money on it. So I, just, I was determined to go through and listen to every track properly. And as it unfolded, because obviously, like most people, I, I you know, I... I knew 1999 and um, Little Red Corvette, and that was about it, right? But then I saw, I heard all these other tracks like Delirious, Something in the Water, Lady Cab Driver. And to this day, one of the the most striking tracks was Automatic, because as you described it, you know, this kind of dark, hypnotic robo-funk. Um, and the, the whole album just... Uh, I've, I've loved it ever since. I would class it in my top three Prince albums um, and since then you know that really was a catalyst to my my increasing obsession with Prince since then I've I've got pretty much every album in fact I have got every album studio and otherwise that that he's probably put out there I've seen seen Prince live I've been I had the privilege of seeing him live over 16 times in Europe wow. and primarily the UK um, the last time, sadly, I saw him was when he played a few shows in Manchester. So he played um, three shows in 2014, um, two of which were in this very small club, like less than a thousand people, called the Academy. He played two nights there. I was lucky enough to get tickets for both nights, and that was absolutely astronomical. He did this amazing kind of guitar-led version of Something in the Water that I believe was released, uh, released as a single. Um, so most people have heard that, but it was, both nights were just electrifying. And then he came back a couple of months later and did a bigger arena show, which was, you know, uh, genius as well in a very different way. But in that, you know, it, in the, the space of those months, you got 
you got to see both the sides of life prince from the, that guy who's playing this tiny little club with the devoted fans you know rocking into the early hours to to you know the big the big shows the big stage the big lights um both fantastic with third eye girl as a band and um i was really looking forward to piano and microphone but sadly it was not to be um, yeah. So hope, hopefully that gives you some idea of, um, in a nutshell, my Prince experience. Yeah, I would say it does. <laughs> um, certainly uh, what I would call maybe a, a serendipitous purchase of 1999 record <laughs> instead of just the single, because if you would have just taken home the single, I mean, it had a great B-side with uh, How Come You Don't Call Me Anymore, but right. I don't know, would you have ever purchased the entire album at some point? Who's to know for sure, but... All we know for a fact is that you did and you loved it. So that sets you on this path to really enjoying Prince. And you said 16 times you've seen him live? Correct. Wow, that is is impressive. And I'm a little jealous, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'll be able to set that aside to get through this uh, podcast recording. Uh, Thank you. (laughs) Very cool, very cool. And yeah, the the difference between the different size of uh, the venues and and the type of concerts that you've seen has got to be uh, just, um, you know, an amazing experience to be able to to do that and to see him at his at the, the varying stages of his professional career and, um, you know, as a live performer, seeing the different sides of how he performs live. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the first the first tour I saw with him was Love Sexy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was as big as it got in terms of his ambitions, in terms of the in terms of the, the, the kind of maximalist music and the production values, not only in terms of the album, which I absolutely love, by the way, but also, I'm sure you remember the, abs- the, the outrageous kind of stage set that he had for that tour. Oh, yeah. So, so as, as a first experience <laughs> of Prince Live, that was, that was quite something. And, and then, obviously, uh, after that, sadly, the Sound of the Times tour never actually made it to the UK. And I was too young to go go abroad and watch it, which is, you know, one of my biggest regrets because actually I would say my all-time favourite Prince album is probably Sound of the Times. And looking at the, the, the concert movie, you know, that looks like it was one, one heck of a show. Although I understand that never he never toured in the US with that tour either, did he? He did not. He did not. So a lot of people missed that tour. Lucky, mm. lucky few that got to see it, you know, in person as opposed to just... You know the concert film but, um, yeah yeah very cool okay uh well thanks for the background and sure. before we get started into talking about the lyrics a couple of things i wanted to mention about automatic um it was never released as a single in the united states or in the uk uh it was released as a single in australia which is in australia kind of, yeah. yeah which is kind of weird uh, i guess there was a radio edit of the song that they released as a single in australia so I think so, but it, it didn't. It didn't even chart there. Probably either, not. So. Probably not. And no. At that point, I don't know if it was like you know fifth or sixth single from the album at that point. Not sure, but um, it didn't chart. It didn't chart. But they did make a music video. It wasn't. It wasn't a music video that uh, saw airplay on like MTV or even any of the other um, music channels or music music shows that were showing videos like on Friday nights or Saturday nights. It was more of a a promo video it was made just to kind of promote Prince as a performer, as a live performer, promote the album. It didn't it didn't really see any mainstream or wide wide release 
for um, for viewing purposes until after Prince's passing, and then the Prince estate released it onto YouTube. So, yeah, just about a year or two ago that was, and uh, for the first time in would have been like 35, 36 years or so, people were seeing this this music video for Automatic that nobody had ever seen before. And it was recorded during rehearsals for the 1999 tour in late 82. It's it's notable, um, not just because it's a long song, and it, there is a video edit to the, the song, and I guess that the video edit version is coming, going to be part of the 1999 Deluxe Edition uh, I don't know what, why we really need the video edit. <laughs> automatic, it cuts off like a minute. Is all yeah. it really reduces the song down to. But it's really notable for its kind of depiction of like uh, mild bondage and S and M themes with um, with female band members uh, Lisa Coleman and Jill Jones tying Prince up to a bed and whipping him. Um, Lisa is, is comically holding dangling a cigarette out of her mouth half the time and then the other half the time she's whipping him while holding the cigarette in her other hand and it's it's just it's just kind of hilarious uh so i mean have you seen the video i have Uh, i think one of the reasons they probably didn't release it is because it was hardly mtv friendly at the time (laughs) no it wasn't but although like you say with with retrospect you know looking back at it in 2019 it does seem it seems quite funny and i think that's that, that that's one of uh, that's another one of prince's little qualities isn't it a lot of what he did was kind of tongue-in-cheek and a lot of the the kind of moral outrage in the 80s with you know tipigore and darling Nikki and all the rest of it people took him a bit too seriously i think whereas he was just having a bit of a laugh and i think the end of that video in particular just does just show that kind of playful slightly mischievous side of prince doesn't it yeah, definitely mischievous, I would say, for sure. Uh, to, to incorporate those elements into a music video in 1982 is is definitely mischievous. He, he probably knew that this wasn't going to really get any kind of airplay. I mean, it wasn't the focus of the record label. They were focusing on 1999 and getting ready to probably release Little Red Corvette. I'm sure it was yeah. just one of those like, afterthoughts. Like, this song is never, this video is never going to see the light of day. There's going to be hardly anybody that ever sees it. Let's just have fun with it. And that's probably... Uh, agree. I think it was one for the vault, wasn't it? Yeah, right. <laughs> it was in the vault for a very long time. Yeah. So Automatic uh, explores some more car metaphors, similar similarly to what we've already heard on the record on Little Red Corvettes and Delirious. So we've got some more um, you know, vehicular metaphors for uh, love and, and sex and relationships. Um, and there's, there's some... As, as we already mentioned, some darkness to these lyrics with yeah. with some themes of obsession and infatuation being approached here. And the lyrics in the song seem to get more troublesome and, and uh, increasingly problematic for the protagonist of the song. It seems like he's um, in a state of uh, duress with, with the lyrics and really kind of struggling with with this this infatuation that he has with the subject of the song that he's singing about so it, it becomes a little sexual as the song progresses a little more sexual and also it gets a little violent and, and you know just there's allusions to it and we'll get to that as well but like overall as an overarching theme i mean is that kind of what you're taking away from automatic is those types of those types of themes yeah yeah absolutely i mean i think you know um one of the overarching 
themes is is maybe more from a musical and technical perspective. This is this is the album where he really perfects that kind of cold electronic sound, the uh, the Lynn drum machine and mm-hmm. his mastery of it. And I think this the the bit in the album where you go from automatic and then so you start with 1999, um, Little Red Corvette, Delirious. You've got three straight, straight up pop hits right there. And then you go into this darker phase of the album, which is, for me, the more interesting bit. And I think the automatic followed by Something in the Water are two examples of this kind of really robotic cadence that he managed to build, which is kind of darkly atmospheric. And at the same time, it's quite consistent with the themes of 1999, the title track, because that is all about, you know, sort of having fun while the world around you kind of is about to end, basically. So it's this apocalyptic pop funk, whereas with Automatic, it's almost like a more, to me, it's like a more constricted version of that. So he's still fighting the, you know, there's that conflict between between religion and music, um, the, uh, religion and sex as well, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, he, he, his his actions to his his lover or his lovers, he's describing this really, really kind of disturbing, mechanized way. But underneath that, there's this kind of tension. And, you know, uh, is that him attempting to break out of the fact that he is automatic? Um, but, you know, that's something I've, I've kind of thought about over the last few decades. And I, like you say, the, the, the structure of the song just gets more and more kind of unstable, I think, as it as it goes along, especially the, the longer version. That, let's not dwell on the video, editing because that no. <laughs> misses, misses so much of, I think, what Prince was trying to say on that song. But, you know, by the time you're in the sixth, seventh, eighth minute of that, you know, you could you could just feel it beginning to almost it's like the structure is, is coming apart at the seams and prince is like trying to hold it together but that is a kind of musical metaphor for his his own kind of emotional state yeah there's a lot of tension in this song and this song really kind of progresses towards that slowly but it gets there it certainly gets there and the and one thing i'll point out here in the first at least the first like three verses for sure the first two verses but even a little bit in the third verse there's almost like a theme that he's following or like a pattern that he's following with these verses the lines in the verses that um and i guess now is as good a time as any to start going through the verses themselves yeah. and the lyrics So on the first verse, he kicks it off by saying, you ask me if I love you, it's automatic. Because every time you leave me, I die. That's automatic too. You ask me to forgive you when you know I'm just an addict. So stop the music, baby. You know, you're all I want to do. And then it goes into the chorus, A-U-T-O-Matic, just tell me what to do. A-U-T-O-Matic, I'm so in love with you. So before we get to the chorus, the chorus is pretty brief um and it's interesting how you know with the auto matic is sung in a very robotic fashion yeah not too dissimilar to some of the 
with some of the ways that some of those lyrics are being sung like in in head like i think of lisa coleman's mm-hmm. lyrics in head she sings them very coolly and very like disinterested and this is almost like somebody pressed play on a female voice to sing these lines and there's really nothing and uh, there's no emotion behind it right just tell me yeah. what to do i'm so in love with you like it's just being forced out of the person who's singing the song but taking a step back to the verse you ask me if i love you it's automatic that, that's kind of a uh, it's kind of a romantic line, you know, that's that there's something very romantic about that line. You ask me if I love you. It's automatic. Of course, I love you. Of course, I think it's yeah. romantic on one level, but on another level, it, you know, it's it's troubling, isn't it? Because, right. Because the, these things that are meant to be these wonderful human emotions have for him in this song been reduced to this this kind of almost Pavlovian reflex. So something that should be essentially, like quintessentially human, has turned robotic, okay? Um, Yeah. I I think that's the interesting thing. That's the the, the, the really interesting theme of this song. Right. So that first line makes it sound like you're just having, it's going to be a romantic, you know, romantic um, ballad. But then the next line, he sings, because every time you leave me, I die. That's automatic too. And so like, okay, so now you're taken aback a little bit by... You know the the overly dramatic in a tragic way use of the word die um, when he describes somebody leaving him this this girl this woman leaving him so he starts it off with I you ask me if I love you it's automatic but then he follows it up with because every time you leave me I die that <clears throat> that brings in the darkness right immediately right off the bat where yeah um, you can't get much darker than talking about dying can you yeah right and just because <laughs> the person left him so. It definitely takes a, a quick turn after that first line when you think maybe you know what you're going to get after that first yeah. line. But then the, the next line completely flips that on its on its side. You ask me to forgive you when you know I'm just an addict. So here we go again with another um, use of, the, of a term, addict, addiction, to describe something that maybe isn't super healthy or yeah. something that is uh, harmful. So death, addiction, <laughs> already here in the first yeah, verse. Yeah, th- that, that's exactly how I read it too, Jason. I think you know that that addict thing is is another another step into the darkness, isn't it? Yes, he's he's um, really struggling uh, to kind of describe this how he feels about this person in in real positive ways. He because he feels a little bit. I get this f- feeling that he feels a little bit helpless. Um, and That's how yeah. and how uh, how much he is intertwined, his being is intertwined with this other person. So, you know, leave, some, doing something like leaving him, or and and also you asked me to forgive you. So I get that there's some dysfunction in this relationship. Well, if he's asking, because, yeah, exactly, he's asking for forgiveness, right? So he's he's done something naughty, hasn't he, somewhere along the way? Well, yeah, and she has too, because he says you asked me to forgive you. <laughs> And so yeah. I, I yeah. think maybe because because she's left him, she keeps leaving him. And I mean, if you could read that literally, like the previous line where he says, because every time you leave me, I die. So maybe she's constantly leaving him and um, and asking him to forgive her so that she can come back to him. Yeah, when which he, is not an uncommon theme with Prince, is it? Because um, yeah. it, it kind of, although it's a totally different song. It, it kind of reminds me of whatever kind of weird relationship he's having in um, When You Were Mine, for example. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. 
she knows that how he feels about her. You know, she knows that he's can't say no. So he probably she probably feels like she can walk all over him. So she she's gonna leave him when when it fits her purpose or when she, yeah, exactly. she's getting bored or whatever. And then when when it's time for her to come back to him, she knows that he's just gonna forgive her uh, because he's an addict. He 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 won't say no. He's never stood up for himself at, up to this point. So I feel like it is a little bit of an abusive relationship, and um, she seems to be the abuser in this. Uh, more so than he does, yeah. And he yeah, again, yeah. it's that that sense of kind of increasing increasing tension and helplessness and and darkness. Um, and again, there's there's another level of tension here, which is you know this kind of breakdown that's happening progressively in the lyrics. Uh, which initially, certainly at this stage of the song, with the first verse, you've got this very robotic, very structured drum machine synth led song, which is which is very very robotic. Um, and uh, you know, that, that, like I keep coming back to this point, but for me, that's what really makes automatic or AUT automatic so so fascinating is that that the way that it evolves. As um, yeah. no doubt we'll find out as we continue to go through the lyrics, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, and I think another thing that I wanted to point out um, is that we don't—we are only hearing one side. So <laughs> we're taking—we're taking the side of the person who's singing the song, which happens to be Prince in the song. So the character he's playing, uh, we only know what he tells us. So we don't really know her side of this. But all we're hearing is that it seems to be—he's—he's he's really. Uh, struggling with with this relationship and being able to let go, or to um, you know say no when things are not um, maybe in the healthiest part of their relationship yeah. with the coming and going and constantly asking for forgiveness, but uh, he's addicted, so he he continues to to forgive her. All right, and we go into the chorus, as I mentioned. Automatic, just tell me what to do. AUT-O-Matic, I'm so in love with you. So AUT-O-Matic, I'm so in love with you, you by itself seems like a very innocuous line. Just tell me what to do. Like, I, (laughs) you, you need to tell me what to do because I'm, I'm helpless to, to, to make decisions on my own, to really kind of formulate my own thoughts about how I feel about this relationship even like yeah yeah actually which which is consistent with what we've been talking about with the first verse where we're talking about you know the other person having seemingly having the control in the relationship and being the one who's who's you know is asking for forgiveness and you know it's it's you know on one level I guess Prince is saying that you know he he is simply um simply incapable of of having that level of autonomy and and kind of control but at the same time maybe he doesn't want it either yeah i mean we don't we don't really know and that's kind of where i was going at with the comment that we're only hearing one side because Mm. we're getting these lyrics and and looking at it from an outsider's perspective they may seem unhealthy they may seem like he's in an unhealthy relationship but maybe this is what he wants maybe this is what he needs and we don't really know that so we're just kind of speculating at this point
So the next verse then, you'll ask me if I kiss you, it's automatic. And if you cry, me cry, boo-hoo, that's automatic too. I would never leave you, no matter what you do. So stop the music, baby, you know I'm automatic fool. So what I see with the second verse again, is just going back to the, the parallels and how the, the verses are structured, at least these specifically these first two, maybe three, he kicks off the first line of the second verse again, something that's by itself, taken out of context, just pull that line out. You ask me if I kiss you, it's automatic. That sounds like another romantic line, just like you ask me if I love you, it's automatic. You yeah. ask me if I kiss you, it's automatic. But then immediately right after that, then it goes someplace darker again with, and if you cry, me cry, boo-hoo. So, <laughs> so there's tears, you know? You follow up a, a line about kissing with a line about crying and, and shedding tears. Now, um, and I think the, the use of the the the, the boohoo makes it even darker, doesn't it? Because ostensibly, is this really childish expression? But it, it falls into this this whole picture he's built up of him being this kind of helpless automaton who yes. can't express emotions properly. <laughs> yeah, good point. Good point. Um, and so he just like taking cues from 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 this woman. So his emotions are so tied and invested in this woman that essentially they're like one emotional being when they're together. So if she cries, he cries because it's automatic that he's going to feel whatever she's feeling. Exactly. I mean, he he just comes across um, as a very simple AI. <laughs> I think at this stage. That's funny. That's a good. That's a good observation. Um, you know, just kind of like taking cues from the program that he's been. been yes, given. and, and it's a pretty. That's... It's a simple algorithm. You know, it's not deep blue <laughs> or anything like that. Yeah, very simple. Just um, you know, take cues from your from your owner, your master, and be sympathetic when they want sympathy. Uh, be romantic when they want want romance and. Yeah, cry, they want you to cry <laughs> and take them yeah. back always whenever they they ask for forgiveness yeah yeah and then using using lyrics like boohoo so he you know he can't even express express these emotions to their fullest intensity really either or even in a mature way <laughs> right it, well, exactly exactly yeah you know, boohoo is a very immature <laughs> immature way of describing uh you know the act of crying <laughs> uh, absolutely yeah but when it's done by an adult it's it, it can, it's it's very dark as well it's it, it's quite unsettling i think yeah yeah i would never leave you no matter what you do and that goes back to the first yep. person he says you asked me to forgive you you know i'm just an addict i would never leave you so third the third line suggests that um that there's some codependency going on here that uh, that the person the you know the prince is singing from the perspective of already knows like there doesn't matter what that person the, the woman is going to do to him he's already resigned to the fact that if this relationship is going to end it's not going to be because of anything he does he's not going to take the initiative for that yeah <clears throat> she has to end it if it's going to end at all stop the music baby you know i'm an automatic fool so the, the last line he he uses the same structure for the first two verses by using that line. So stop the music, baby. You know, you're all I want to do. And so stop the music, baby. You know, I'm an automatic fool. Um, it's a good rhyme. I don't really know if there's any parallels that I can make between the two verses, how he ends. You're all I want to do. And I'm an automatic fool. 
No, I mean, I, I, I think in terms of that verse, that that final line is probably the least um, least analyzable in terms yeah. of it, it kind of just does what it says on the tin, right? Yeah. And it kind of fits into the overall structure and it drives the song along. But in terms of the lyrical depth of it, I'm not sure it warrants as much analysis as the, the, the previous two lines. Yeah, sometimes I think some of the, the lines in these songs, and just every songwriter does it, I'm sure, has to insert yeah. some lines for, for the rhyme, for the um, keep the um, the structure going, keep the song structure the same. So th- it's, a good li- it's a good line, and it's a good rhyming line, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's more to it than that. Yeah, I'm not sure if you get, we get any further insights into his psyche. Nope. So then it goes into the chorus again, A-U-T-O-Matic, yeah. just tell me what to do. A-U-T-O-Matic, I'm so in love with you. So it's the same chorus as we've heard before. And then yep. now we're into the third verse, because at this point there's there's a little bit of a musical break between the second and third verses. So between the first and second verses, it kind of goes right back, you know, back to back to each other. But with the third verse, there's a bit of a musical break there. It's not super long. And this is where the song starts to... Um, slightly maybe not significantly but slightly uh, starts to evolve a little bit So he, he changes the structure a little bit. I'll rub your back forever is the next line of the next verse, which is once again another kind of romantic, romantic line. Yeah, uh, it's a classic Prince line as well. It's, 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 it's one of those, um, you know. Now he's starting to get a little more, more sexual, a little more physical, yeah. <laughs> talking a little bit more about, you know, that part of the relationship. I'll look for a needle in a haystack. That's automatic too. Uh, I, I I don't know. I'm just guessing, but I'm I'm assuming that line has something to do with um, with oral sex, especially since it goes to the next line. I'll go down on you all night long. It's automatic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I that's how I take it. I don't know. If that, you that, that's exactly. Uh, I'm glad you said that. I thought it was just <laughs> me who interpreted it that way, but I, 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 it, it does actually make sense, doesn't it, when you read it along those lines? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just Prince saying something dirty without saying something dirty, you know. So. Yeah. I'll look for a needle in a haystack, it's automatic too. I'll go down on you all night long, it's automatic. And there's like this little aside where a woman says, you will? And he goes, yes, I <laughs> <laughs> So now he's really kind of like explaining in this verse that um, he is there for her pleasure. You know, uh, there's no mention of his pleasure or anything mutual. It's It's all about rubbing her back and going down on her all night long and just whatever it is to make her feel good. That's what he's yeah. doing. <laughs> that's what his goal is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that, that is the entirety of his world as well. Isn't it? You yeah. know, it's just, he's this kind of weird automaton and yeah. that's all he exists to do. And even when I'm right, I'll be wrong, which is <laughs> yeah. another suggestion of his powerlessness that he has. Cause even, <laughs> he even has to admit that he's wrong even when he's not <laughs> yeah yeah and there's nothing he can do about it but also he doesn't really care 
either. No, no, I don't get the impression. It's like completely submitted to it, hasn't he? Yeah, there's there up to this point, there appears to be hundred percent invested in this and doesn't have any qualms with he hasn't at least hasn't expressed any qualms with this kind of dynamic that's going on in this um, relationship, if you want to call it that. Uh, So it's he's just like very matter of factly. This is this is how this is how this goes. This is what we do. That's Uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. And he either doesn't care or he he is is just so completely powerless that that he can't even express any any semblance of what, what opinion about it. Yeah. Yeah. So those first three verses are really kind of the the general structure is, is the same, and then he goes back into the chorus, A-U-T-O-Matic, just tell me what to do. A-U-T-O-Matic, I'm so in love with you. And then we get some more um, music, so another musical breakdown with the synths and the drum machine. And there's some uh, repeating of the of the lines in the verse, or in the chorus, I mean, but they're done slightly different. So he just says, so in love with you. And then he sings, you know, the, in the background singer, A.U.T. Omatic, just tell me what to do. So in love with you, baby. Tell me what to do. All right. And so that's just more of just like riffing off of the music using some yep. of the lines from the chorus. Again, it's not really, there's no additional or different lines at this point. And then we have some more chorus some more music until we get to um the part of the song that actually goes on quite a long time it's like it <laughs> this is a good minute and a half to minute to 45 of the song it's just him kind of really um speaking it's it's he's not singing these lines he's he's yep. speaking them in in kind of a, in a very um a low voice so they're not super easy to understand because the music of um, the, the Lindrum machine and the synthesizer lines are so uh, upfront in the mix, yeah. and, his, and his vocals are a little behind it, so the, these lines aren't easy to read or to hear. So when I was listening to this song in preparation for this this recording, some of these lines I have to admit I'm not sure if I ever really understood what he was saying. Okay, so the the next grouping of lines, I'll read through them, and I, maybe okay. I'll stop because there's so many of them. I'll maybe stop after about you know half a dozen or so. We can sure. kind of look at those. He says, "Don't say no man has ever tasted your ice cream, baby. You're the purple star in the night supreme. You'll always be a virgin, for no man deserves your love. I only pray that when you dream, I'm the one you dream of. I pray that when you dream, you dream of how we kissed, not with our lips, but with our souls." So these first six lines in this section of the song um, are saying some pretty interesting things. I don't know. I mean, what yeah. do you feel? How do you feel? Yeah, about I mean, I, I think it's, it's you know, this, this tension we've been talking about building up through the first three verses. I think this spoken bit actually marks more of a clear transition from that kind of robotic automaton 
in the early part of the song to to some kind of semblance of humanity trying to break out of it because a lot of what he's saying is you know um in terms of souls and all the rest of it is it's almost kind of love sexy like isn't it in terms of that kind of high prince spirituality mm-hmm. view of of love and 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 sex and relationships so so it's it's you know it's almost like the, the, this this cold ice cold world that he's constructed in the first few verses is kind of slightly beginning to melt or someone started a fire somewhere maybe yeah there's some there's some emotion in these lines you mm. know there there's some like you said humanity in these lines and there's some um they're they're kind of poetic too don't say yeah. no man has ever tasted your ice cream baby you're the purple star in the night screen that's a that's a that's a poetic coupling of lines right there Absolutely. You'll always be a virgin, for no man deserves your love. So I don't know if he's saying that because he's trying to imply that in his mind she's always going to be a virgin. In his mind, I mean, because you know we can't assume that she's literally a virgin. No, well, clearly she's not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think we yeah, can safely I mean, make that know, assumption. We, uh, I think we can I make think some assumptions. <laughs> yeah, I, I think what he's saying here by that is that he thinks that she is just just exists on a different plane. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, so, so anything that might happen on this kind of more more earthly level actually ultimately doesn't affect what, the state of what she is, and I guess her soul as well, right? Yeah, because he's not talking about you'll always be a virgin because you've never had sex. You'll always be a virgin mm-hmm. for no man deserves your love. So it's yeah. more it's it's deeper than just the the you know the physical aspect of virginity. I only pray that when you dream, I'm the one you dream of. So in this line, he's he's really kind of finally expressing some sort of um, wish that this person uh, reciprocates the kind of love that he feels for her or infatuation or obsession or whatever you want to call it, that there's some sort of uh, reciprocation here. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. He seems to be just becoming, there's a developing some level of consciousness there, doesn't he? Yeah. And, and although he says, I only pray when you dream, I'm the one you dream of. So he's really just hoping he doesn't he doesn't necessarily think that that is the case. Sure, it, but I think the very fact that he is he is even hoping compared to the lyrics of the first three verses, where actually he doesn't even seem to, to be capable of that in terms of emotional maturity. It's it's a bit of a step change for him, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and and like you mentioned with the love sexy kind of uh, approach towards sex and love and spirituality being intertwined. So. Right. These line, next lines about praying when you dream, you dream of how we kiss. Now with our lips, with our souls. So that is that is absolutely kind of the themes that he takes away from, you know, this and 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 uses it, utilizes it, and fleshes it out a lot more clearly later on in his career. Absolutely, uh, yeah. You know, when he talks about in, in love sex, he's talking about you know the feeling you get not when you fall in love with a boy or a girl, or, but with the is it the heavens above or or, or or with the god above or you know this that that, yeah. that kind of emphasis on all, all these concepts that are seen as kind of fairly base <clears throat> and earthy and, and kind of physical actually take on this more ethereal and spiritual plane. And and I think this this is like you say, Jason. This is an indication of what's to come a few years down the line. Yeah. So then after those lines, uh, he says, stop me if I bore you, which is kind of a kind of a funny line. Stop me. Yeah. If I bore you. So like he's now he's worried that, you know, he's just rambling on and on to this woman and she's just getting bored with 
with all this um you know new agey new agey talk <laughs> yeah well she's sitting there filing her nails or something exactly yeah. <laughs> tell me if i bore you and then he starts asking these questions uh, why is it that i think we'd be so good in bed can you hear me why do i love you so much it's so strange i'm more comfortable around you when i'm naked can you hear me i wonder if you have any mercy don't torture me <laughs> okay so now he he's asking questions and it, i mean he's kind of and he's done this a number of times up in this early part of his career where he kind of almost takes the the traditional female role in the relationship mm. historically and maybe it's uh, just due to some you know some antiquated notions of what uh, femininity and masculinity are in relationships but you know you always think of the man as being like the the stoic quiet you know they they're not really interested in in feelings and getting in touch with feelings and and those types of things and then the woman like oh i really want to know more about you and can you talk about yourself i'm i have all these questions and i'm hoping you can answer when the guy is just you know thinking i just want to get you in bed or whatever <laughs> yeah yeah. But here it's flipped, and this isn't the first time this is done where Prince has done this, where he's kind of flipped the the traditional stereotypes of men and women in relationships in mm. song. And so he's the one asking all these questions and and maybe being a bit neurotic about, you know, worrying about um his stance and his place in this relationship. Right. Yeah. And so when he and says, it, Why is it that I think we'd be so good in bed? That implies that they haven't had sex. I don't. That line's confusing to me. Yeah, yeah. Or if they have, it's um, he doesn't know, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or either that, or, or, or he thinks it might be, but he needs approval. Maybe, maybe, yeah. So he's just that's maybe him just saying that as his way of. He, 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 yeah, he needs some kind of ratification. Nudging he? her to kind of talk about his performance. You know? Yeah, say something nice about him. Be so good in bed. Oh, make nudge, nudge. Why don't you give me a kind of a compliment about how, yeah. how I pleasure you? <laughs> exactly. exactly. Can you hear me? Like, mm. am I just talking into a void here? Can you hear me? Why do I love you so much? Um, you know, that's a rhetorical question. I would have to assume only he could answer that. And and again, you know, talking about taking themes forward, we just talked about love sexy, but this is exactly what turned into if I was your girlfriend on Sign of the Times, right? Oh yeah. That there is a lot of a lot of parallels because he does that in the same in that song as well. Yeah. He asks he asks questions, unanswered questions in that song too. And um, it's well, very... the, the whole song is made up of unanswered questions. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is really. I'm more comfortable around you when I'm naked. And he, he finds that so strange. Although, um, you know, Prince and nudity has never been a, an issue for him. But in this song, he's <laughs> saying that he feels very comfortable around her naked. Can you hear me? Once again, he repeats that. Can you hear me? Yeah. He wants to be heard. And then I wonder if you have any mercy. Don't torture me. So at this point, we don't know exactly, at least I, you can make some um, guesses of what kind of torture he's referring to, meaning like emotional torture, I'm guessing, but. Yeah, I mean, you, on, on one level, yes. But again, there's that darkness to the track, isn't there? Which, which leaves the question open to whether, whether it could be something, something darker. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, um, that certainly leaves it open-ended when we get to the very end of the song talk about but that's a, this is the first part where he, the word torture is mentioned but it's not the last <laughs> it's not mm. the last 
And that's where I had mentioned before, maybe even a little bit of uh, hints of violence, whether or not it's emotional violence or physical. When it comes to you, I'm automatic, baby. There's no one else like me. I'm the best you'll ever find. No one else can understand you. You're too complex. They say nothing's perfect, but they don't know you. That's automatic, too. Can you hear me? And then you have somebody, uh, Lisa, probably AUT-O-Matic, repeating the line in the back. I'm addicted to your pleasure. I'm addicted to your pain. It's automatic. Automatically insane. Undress me. So this last section of this portion of the song, to me, he's coming across a little more confident in, in what he well, meant to say. Yeah. When he says, um, there's no one else like me, I'm the best you'll ever find. So uh, all of a sudden, Prince has this new, or the, you know, the character Prince is singing from has this newfound confidence in himself. Yeah, yeah there's an ego there. Yeah, he's feeling like, okay, well, all these things that I provide you that I've already kind of described to you, I I, um, I give you emotional support, I give you uh, physical support, I'm there for you, I always take you back. Who else are you going to find that's better than me? You know, who else is going to basically put up with this shit that you, <laughs> that you keep throwing at me? And, and yeah. he gets a little bit of a, a complex about it. Like, you know, I'm I'm good for you. Uh, what even though I at, at this point in the song you're you're kind of scratching your head like what is he getting out of this? But he just finds so much perfection in this woman. He even says yeah. it. Nothing they say nothing's perfect, but they don't know you. So I get that like he just finds her just so perfect that even though he's put up with a lot and he's putting up with a lot, and all of his focus is one hundred percent on her. I don't get that he really minds being in this relationship, that he's actually, it emboldens him a little because it makes him feel like he's worthy in some ways. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, yeah, nothing changed in terms of the, the broader dynamic. It's just that he's, he's, through the course of the song, he's just sort of found his voice and, and his kind of self as well. So there's a bit of self-realization going on. Yeah. I'm addicted to your pleasure. I'm addicted to your pain. Once again, that goes back to the lines where, you know, he it, kissing her is automatic. Hugging her is automatic. Of course, it's automatic. He's going to go down on her. That's the pleasure part. But he's also addicted to her pain. Um, you know, when she cries, he cries. Boo hoo. You know, and, and there's all these lines that, that kind of um, go back and forth between the pleasure and the pain in their relationship. And he admits right here that uh, he's addicted to both. He wants them both. He's not just in it for the good times. He's. He's in it for the good and the bad, and there seems to be equal measure of both in this relationship. Automatically insane, so he kind of admits it <laughs> right there in, the <laughs> in like the very second to last line of this this long spoken word section. Automatically insane. He, he totally uh, admits, fully admits that he might be a little insane for being so um, so addicted to this this relationship. Yeah, um, so so obsessive. For better, for worse. Yeah. 
Yeah. Undress me. And then he then after the undress me line, we go back into the AOT Omatic. AOT Omatic is repeated over and over. And at this point now in the song, we're we're a good six, six and a half, almost six and a half minutes into this song, and there's still three minutes to go, but a lot of a lot of the remaining portion of the song is is just music. Correct. Um, yeah. It's just instrumental uh, repeating of the of the synths and adding some. There's a guitar solo towards the end of the song, mm-hmm. and and during this guitar solo is when we start to uh, hear some moaning and crying, but that's after it, we get this kind of like this outro section. Fasten your seatbelts, prepare for takeoff. And then after Prince says those lines, you get um, Lisa and Jill Jones. I don't know. I don't if they're saying them together or you know uh, they're both credited on this song. Yeah. And they're both in the music video, so I kind of get the impression they're just kind of singing the lines together or speaking the lines. Um, I remember how you kissed me, not with your lips, but with your soul. With you, I'm never bored. Talk to me some more. I can hear you. I'm going to have to torture you now. Okay, Farouk. So mm-hmm. this last section of the song, the fasten your seatbelts, prepare for takeoff, and then hearing the woman now kind of uh, speaking these lines, kind of reiterating some of the, the things that Prince has sung up up until this point in some of the verses. Is there, I mean, what kind of what are you taking away from this section of the song? Well, I think it's just... Um... It's carrying on from where we left off in the last last section. It uh, except they, it's just it's the same pattern, but building upon it. I think you know it's that increasing sense of it, humanity is the right word. Um, but I think also creeping sense of what you haven't had before. Certainly in the beginning of the song was was any idea, and this linked to humanity, but almost a hint of desperation there. Well, one thing that this does. Well, first, if we're just talking just structurally. At this point in the song, you get this sound. Um, so, I, I mean, everybody kind of has their own interpretation of what the sound is. I mean, it's obviously just the sound of, um, you know, his, his synthesizer making or, you know, some sort of sound effect in the studio yeah. that is created. It kind of sounds like, to me, a spaceship. <laughs> you know, when you hear, like in the old movies, when spaceships would come down and, and land on Earth. And then they'd open up their their big their big door to, you know, present the the aliens to the humans on on the planet Earth. You'd have you'd hear this sound, this, you know, like there's some yeah. sort of pressurized door that's being depressurized so that it yeah, can well, open up to our atmosphere. Yeah, that makes sense with the fast your seatbelt statement, doesn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, and, and, but it uh, also could be like a futuristic car. You know, I mean, there's some. There's some futuristic elements to the sound of the song. Yeah, there's, um, although it's not exactly the same, what it does remind me of weirdly is, um, you know, the beginning of the um, 
space on the Come album, where there's this kind of pressurized whoosh as well. Yeah. Before it goes into the bass line. I mean, we know that Prince had watched Blade Runner and was kind of into that that film, and that that kind of gave or formed form a little bit of the direction from the art art direction that he gave mm. to Alan uh, Bolio, who snapped the photos for the the album itself, the album cover and the sleeves and whatnot. So I don't know. I mean, this whole futuristic. I have it. I have my impression that this this song was probably already written and recorded before he saw Blade Runner, and Blade Runner only just helped him with a theme for for the art. For the, yeah, I mean, I, I think both of them, both the album um, and this track uh, in particular, and and the film, are very much of their time, aren't they? They are, and and the the fact that we already kind of expressed how this song has a lot of futuristic elements to it a lot of um robotic and cold technological elements to it and then mm-hmm. to have this kind of what i what i describe as a spaceship but others can describe it in a different way yeah, because it's, it's not it's not explained there's no explanation for it it is what it is and you you hear what you hear yeah the, there's hear... something though i think spaceship works well because there's there's something quite mechanical about it Yes, there is definitely a mechanical sound to it, and this may sound cheesy, a little bit cheesy, but <laughs> I think of some of the old like uh, Star Trek episodes where you know you have these really attractive uh, female aliens that the um, Star Trek Enterprise encounters, and we're gonna have to torture you now. And, it, and instead of it sounding you know frightening, it's supposed to be a little erotic. You know, and that's yeah, yeah. and that's kind of what I get from this, just because of the way. Now, I, whether or not it's being spoken from the perspective of the the female of that is the subject of the song that Prince is singing about, or you know, your mind could go elsewhere with this. Like I, I mentioned, like if these if this is supposed to be the sound of a spaceship, fasten your seatbelts, prepare for takeoff, and then you have like this robotic sounding female voice. Could it be like? Like a a HAL two thousand from or a, a, the name of the computer from two thousand one um, Space Odyssey. You know? it's a HAL. It's HAL. Yeah. Yeah. So is it kind of like a like a HAL situation where this woman is <laughs> talking about torture and uh, or is it supposed to be this the woman that Prince is in this relationship with or is it something else and that's kind of what kind of makes yeah. this ending interesting and unique and cool to me is. You can take it so many different ways. Yeah, there's lots of unanswered questions, aren't there? Which just kind of deepens the mystery, and it um, it almost seems unfinished. Yeah, it does. But what I like is the callback, though, with the the kissing me not with your lips, but with your soul. Because in that spoken word section, he says, "I pray that when you dream, you dream of how we kissed, not with our lips, but with our souls." Yeah. And later on, here, the woman says, "I remember how you kissed me, not with your lips, but with your soul." So his dream came true, I guess, because he dreamt that, or he'd hope that uh, when she dreamt that this is what, would, what yeah. it would be like, that, that they kissed with their souls. And that's what she's telling him has happened. So unless he's dreaming and he's just, uh, you know, self-fulfilling what he, his wishes through his dream. Um, mm. which, yeah, I, I wondered that, actually. I wondered if it was a dream or if it actually happened, because if, if it's the latter then that that kind of movement is complete isn't it that kind of shift from the cold robotics of the first opening lines to the complete kind of spirituality and humanity of the end of it 
but then if he's dreaming, um, the your Blade Runner reference is quite apt, isn't it, Jonathan? <laughs> because obviously the original story was called Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because this whole last section, I'm just kind of thinking about it now, is it could be taken in multiple ways, and that's what makes it so fascinating. Mm. It could be like literally just him and his, his girlfriend or you know female companion speaking to each other in person on Earth. It could be a dream. It could be whatever you want it to be. And the other thing I like next here, and this is what kind of makes it seem almost dreamlike in some ways, like wish fulfillment in some ways, because everything that he is, certain things that he was wishing and asking for in that long um, spoken word section is coming true here. Because then she says, with you, I'm never bored. Talk to me some more. <laughs> and if you remember, there's that whole section where he's just blabbing on and on, asking <laughs> these questions. You know, why do I think you'd be so good in bed? Can you hear me? Why do I love you so much? Uh, uh, am I boring as well? Yeah, exactly. He says, he even says, stop me if I bore you. Hmm. So here she's saying, no, with you, I'm never bored. Talk to me some more. Talk my ear off. You know, ask me a thousand <laughs> questions. And it makes you wonder, is this really her talking? Or is this just in his dream? There's some how... kind of fantasy playing out in his head. Yeah, exactly. A fantasy situation where this woman that he's obsessed with and can't quit, even if he wanted to, um, is giving him what he's looking for in his, right. his fantasy or in this dream, kissing him with with their soul, um, telling him that she's that he's never boring. Doesn't matter how often he talks to her. You know, hey, talk to me some more. I'm not bored. And then she says, I can hear you because he says, can you hear me? And he repeats that twice. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? He says that twice in that section. And now she says, yes, I can hear you. I'm going to have to torture you now. <laughs> uh, so that line just kills me because uh, I wonder if you have any mercy. Don't torture me. So up to this point, it's all been like things that he wishes would happen come true. But now at the end, when he says, I'm going to, she says, I'm going to have to torture you now. Part of me thinks that he's secretly thinking to himself, good. <laughs> yeah. Good. I yes. want to be tortured. I want to be tortured. That's where I come back to the whole S&M theme where it, it makes it seem like it's negative or a bad thing. But I, I don't necessarily get that from this. No, no. I think it's back to the playfulness. And also, although the video edit is obviously shorter, that, that's how that ends as well, doesn't it? It does. It does. So he kind of lays it all out there. I mean, it took us 37 years, 36 years to see the the video to see right. his vision on that he um, play acted for us. But it is that's how it ends. And it, this is where I believe we get the guitar solo. Yes. And, and we get the um, all the moaning and crying going on in the background and, and their women voice, women's voices. So once again, I assume it's Lisa and Jill. And after they say, I'm going to have to torture you now, the end of the song is just them moaning and crying over this guitar solo and then the, the synth line. And that's how the song ends. So the moaning and crying are a little bit disturbing. But then again, you know, if you're really into torture as um, sex play or something that is um, done playfully, you know, you could still... The moaning implies maybe some pleasure. The crying yeah. could just be part of the play acting or part of the the game that they're playing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or, or to me, I always thought it was, you know, it could be both. There's an ambiguity there. 
like a like a physical and a spiritual ambiguity that they're straddling in this bit of the song like like you can you can traverse one you can go from one end of the spectrum to the other and then back again so and, and you know that that is the game that it's it's not necessarily just a binary thing of pain or pleasure it's it's both these concepts merging into one and it's again you know if you look at something like sex uh, um, love sexy where he's talking about the the fundamental contradiction between worshiping god and this kind of craving for sexuality the the two tensions that that have kind of defined prince haven't they and have been articulated in different ways throughout his whole kind of body of work you know from certainly from dirty mind onwards to 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 the very end, I think, um, to his and run phase two. And he just articulated them in different ways with different, you know, whether it's a Lynn drum machine or or a guitar or both, or whether it's gospel or soul or funk or R&B or even, even kind of approaching hip hop. Um, but this is just one particular articulation of, of, of the, something that kind of, to me, sums up, sums up Prince completely, which is this kind of complete moral contradiction that's been turned into a spiritual philosophy yeah very well said very well said thank you for so do you have any other any other thoughts on the song in general or towards the end of the song i mean that was that was pretty good <laughs> um, uh, um that that was the main thing for me uh yeah. the the only other thing i'd say is that you know that kind of the advent of the guitar solo towards the end of the song kind of almost coincides perfectly with this kind of arousal of humanity and empathy that we're seeing in the lyrics as well so it's almost like the guitar is this this flame that's kind of lighting up this cold electronic lin driven world yeah yeah it certainly livens up the song at the end and yeah. it, it gives it, adds, it a bit of warmth i think it does it adds some warmth adds some humanity because one could just um you know program the drum machine to to make the sounds that it needs to make for the entire nine minutes but it takes a human being to to create that guitar solo and to play that guitar solo so and it and it it, like you said it kind of coincides with uh, as the song progresses and gets warmer and warmer and not necessarily in a in a um, always in a positive way but just more human more human more humanity and then we're talking about um lines that that deal more with um sexuality and not just emotions um so there's some there's some physical aspects to it the song gets more sexual as it goes on the the ending is totally ambiguous and that is perfectly fine because that is that's what i like about prince's music there's there's plenty of ambiguity in it and it isn't you know nothing's nothing's cut and dried is it no Uh, no it isn't cut and dry we're just two people with two opinions and um somebody else could have a completely different interpretation of how the song ends indeed and it would be it would be as valid as any other opinion exactly exactly i i do really enjoy the callbacks in that that last section that spoken word section by the women the callbacks to things that prince has been saying and as i mentioned because the way that prince um speaks those lines in that spoken word section it isn't always easy to understand what he's saying because the music like i said the music is really high up in the mix and his vocals are not so reading them and following them and doing this podcast has given me an opportunity to kind of explore the yeah. the parallels between 
what he's saying there and then what the women are saying at the very end and kind of draw some conclusions in my brain about what is being what what is the what is the purpose of that what why did why did they call back to these lines is it you know for the reasons we discussed or is there something else yeah i know i i think just listening to it again on not not from a necessarily an academic perspective but listening it to it in preparation for this podcast and just looking at for things that you haven't really dwelt on that i hadn't really dwelt on before was a really kind of interesting interesting thought experiment actually and the net result was actually i always thought the song was you know haunting and cold and complex and kind of very very emotional in in quite a dark way but there's whole elements to it that i hadn't ever dwelt on before so it's it's even more complex i think now and uh, that's one of the things about the 1999 album is that you can keep digging into these tracks um like i'm sure you're going to do with um something in the water and lady cab driver for example you know you can you could talk about those tracks forever and that's why i think a lot of people do think that 1999 is 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 one of his masterworks because there's so much depth to it not just musically but but intellectually as well yeah you'd mentioned 1999 as being one of you know probably one of your top three prince albums right. of all yeah. time and it's it's absolutely one of mine as well and i think every song on here has got a lot going for it a lot going on and some of them you know, as you mentioned the, the middle section of this of this album has some really song has some songs that are overlooked maybe because of their length or because yeah. they weren't released as singles in you know UK or the United States and um, also I think they're they're overlooked because a lot of people just find them too weird <laughs> there's well. that too. <laughs> you know there's 1999 there's the, the perfect pop funk song there's the red corvette which is a perfect pop rock song took mtv by storm um and then all of a sudden you're in this weird landscape of cold electronica you've got this you've got this black guy doing electronic music that no one you know that people hadn't done before you know um, he's taking cues from people like Kraftwerk and stockhausen mm -hmm. and at the same time he's making new wave stuff look dated um, but the lyrics are so strange and so weird and so disturbing for a lot of people for for mainstream music that I think people just gave it a bit of a wide berth. Yeah, yeah, he adds his own um, funk elements to those types of those those forms of music that you know the source artists and bands didn't necessarily do right. to make his to make yeah. it his own his own sound yeah. and automatic is one of the my favorite songs on the album for so many reasons but one of them is just because of how all over the place it is with the the verses and the chorus and then you have the long spoken word section then you've got sections of just music you've got a guitar solo and then you've got that that ending that just kind of haunts you a little bit yeah of how it ends and it, it's just it's like a it's like a film it's like a little motion picture it is you're, you're right it, it is very it's very cinematic isn't it it is very cinematic, exactly.
This has been the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast. I've been your host, Jason Brenninger. You can get a hold of me on social media at PressRewind75 on Twitter. Uh, Instagram, find me at PressRewind. I even have a Facebook page if you're into Facebook. Uh, I want to thank uh, Farouk Ansari for joining me all the way from Manchester, UK. Thanks, Farouk. Absolute pleasure, Jason. Really enjoyed it. And thank you so much for having me on the show. You're welcome. Okay. Goodbye, everyone. Bye.